0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast and Happy Friday! We've made it uh, like almost to the end of the week, and since this is our weekend podcast, we wanted to bring on the big guy, JVL himself. Thanks for joining me; I appreciate it. Hey, Charlie, it's
1: uh it's tough doing these shows after the live shows, but that last live show last night with you and Mona and David from and Tim Miller, I think it might have been the best episode yet of Bulwark. We don't even really have a. A name for this thing we do every Thursday night, Bulwark but, Plus uh, Live, Bulwark Plus Live, or something like that. But it was awesome, and it was super fun. Is that while well, while you guys are on camera, me and Sarah and other people are in the comments, like talking back and forth with uh with our members, and it was just a I don't know. Well, are I, you surprised I, at how much fun these things are? Because I
0: kind uh, of am. No, actually, I you know, I was kind of. I won't say I was out of sorts. I wasn't feeling my 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 best yesterday, and. And uh, but I when I was thinking I actually thought about kind of bailing out, and I thought, no, you know what? These things are really interesting. You know, a chance to go and talk to really smart people about things that are really interesting. I'm not going to pass that up, and it, and it lived up to its billing. So I want to get your take on my back and forth with David from about vampires. Well, I want to get because <laughs> va- vam- vampires came up, and I've been thinking about it. All night, I think it's uh, there's probably a piece there. Hey, before we do this though, uh, you meant, you did mention Bulwark Plus, and uh, at, at the end of, of that live stream, I, I thanked all the people who have signed up for Bulwark Plus. We really appreciate it. And I, and I don't know about you, but um, I really have been impressed and kind of blown away by the number of people who have stepped up and uh, joined Bulwark Plus uh, and 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 are supporting the work that we are that we're doing because. It's pretty obvious now this this fight is not over and we're 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 going to have to be in for the long haul here. Yeah, we're not like
1: it's not like waking up from a dream and like, oh, God, those last four years are all gone. Everything's fine now. It's a it's going to be a slog.
0: Yeah, so so Bul- Bulwark Plus gives you access to our newsletters, my Morning Shots newsletter, your Triad newsletter, the Next Level podcast, the Secret podcast. We are going to, and, and of course, and, and these live streams. And this is something we're going to keep building out. we're trying to create a community. But again, uh, we're keeping the, the website free. This podcast is still free. But uh, any of you that... They want to go a little bit deeper. You're looking for people who will not uh, make your heads explode. If you really do think there's a rational, decent center in American politics, we would really like to have you join us at uh, at Bulwark Plus.
1: Yeah. So just go to plus dot thebulwark.com you know what as i say that i should probably double check the url and make sure i'm telling people the right url yeah it's plus.thebulwark.com or just go to our our website thebulwark.com and you'll you'll see a link for bulwark plus there
0: you know this has been an unusually crazy week and it is as, as usual you have to just take a deep breath we all have to take kind of a deep breath and sort of modulate where we are at here there's a there's a sense that we get we get numbed by it but You wrote something a couple of days ago. This was the week where you had to confront the fact that that coups, in fact, are possible in the United States. I know that sounds crazy, but I can't get past the fact that the former national security advisor to the president of the United States is tweeting out a call to declare martial law, suspend constitutional rights and bring in the military to run a new election and everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, could, can we just move on to the next crazy thing? I mean, you know, there, there are people talking about things that if we would have predicted a year ago, we would have been accused of Trump derangement syndrome.
1: Yeah. And that's this is the slow boiling of the frog in, in the pot, right? If you go back a year ago, two years ago, four years ago, you know, which is when I first started talking about after Trump took office, I said, we got to start thinking about his reelection here because. If the sitting president of the United States were to say the exact same things that candidate Trump said in the the closing days of, of 2016, it creates a real danger uh, because this is then the guy who controls the military. And it's different when you're a sitting president. You have different responsibilities and, and you have an insanely large amount of power. And uh, – if I had said then, you know, hey, his former national security advisor will literally be calling for a coup. He will be calling to overturn the election mm-hmm. and for the setup of military tribunals in order to uh, prosecute people who are considered enemies of the state. Uh, you would have said, no, no, it's not that great. Or and you or you would have said, okay, if that happens, then it's really bad. And instead, we get here and the sophisticated response is, it's just Mike Flynn. He's a clown. Don't
0: worry about it. Yeah, every, everything is is fine. Well, it's been like that. You you have the president of the United States had a forty five, what a forty six minute speech where, again, he's pushing these just wild ass delusional conspiracy theories. And well, this is when I want to get to the vampires. Okay, we'll do the vampire thing now yeah. because this is something I talked about last night and I put in my newsletter today. You know, the Republican Party continues to be the Republican Party. They you know continue to be in the fetal crowds, looking the other way, averting their eyes, doing their own thing, and so. You know, as the president goes out and he escalates his attack, you know, and does the Hugo Chavez Dominion voting machine rigging thing, nothing, no reaction. He's lashing out at the FBI and the Department of Justice, nothing. Uh, Mike Flynn calls for a coup, pretty much nothing. There's death threats and everything, all of this crazy stuff. You have people talking about the North Koreans bringing ballots into in, in Maine and everybody's like, whatever. And yet... Then what you had down in Georgia, his his folks, Sidney Powell used to be his lawyer and this Lynn Wood say, you know what, if these uh, voting machines are rigged, as we have been saying, as the president has been saying, we should refuse to vote in January until it's fixed. And then suddenly all hell broke loose. So it was it was. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Batshit crazy conspiracy theories undermining democracy. No need to speak about it. The moment a lawyer said, maybe people shouldn't come out and vote for Republican Senate candidates, all hell broke loose. Did you notice that? That this was the breaking point of silence. You had Dan Crenshaw. You had Ted Cruz. You had uh, Newt Gingrich. This is a Ben Shapiro. This is outrageous. How would anyone suggest? So when it was just the integrity of democracy, No need to speak out. When it threatened Republican control of the Senate, it's DEFCON 1.
1: You know, we say that this is a disgusting example of party over country all Mm -hmm. the time, because that's what we've seen from the Republican Party for the last five years. But I actually don't think there's been a more disgusting example of it than this, because this is literally it, right? So the country is threatened over and over and over again, and they have nothing to say. And then- Within hours of the party being threatened, that's when they all, you know, flip out and get organized and start condemning things. You know, Dan Crenshaw, the future of the Republican Party, uh, you know, is out there beating up on Lynn Wood. How dare, you know, but with nothing to say about all the other stuff. And I, this is a, I don't think I've said this on your show. But I have I have floated this elsewhere because this is really the, the largest thesis that I've been working on. And I'm, I, I bring this up to you, Charlie, because mm. I'd like to hear your reaction to it. Understand, I am not 100% committed to this. I'm, I'm like 80% of the way there to believing this. But my thesis is that in its current configuration, the Republican Party represents a clear and present danger to our democracy. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is that too much? Oh, that no, like no. Too I, far? At,
0: at, at this point, uh, I'm not pushing back, and I, I will tell you that the events of the last thirty days have strengthened that. I mean, it's it's. There was a time before the election when you could make a case for the recovery of the party, but this is almost as if somebody had come up with a simulation. Let's push everything to the extreme would the Republican Party stand up for the Constitution when it is challenged in these ways? Can you count on them to do the right thing under these circumstances? And I'm afraid we have the test results in.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. And it's really dispiriting because this is the first time in my lifetime that I I think that anybody could make that case about one of our two major parties. You know, we they, whatever disagreements the two of them have had, you know, they've been Basically, playing within the forty-yard lines, as the as the old right. analogy goes, and that's not the case anymore. I mean, I, I, I did write this. the uh, The only reason we are not having the election overturned is because it wasn't close enough to get a, for the sitting president of the United States to get away with it. Which means that we can no longer live in a world where we just assume that the winner takes power after the election. That's new. That's really, really new. And once the unthinkable yeah. becomes thinkable, that means that the good guys, the good guys meaning just the people who are committed to the rule of law, uh, they have to win every time, right? They they, they can't miss once. And it means that the, the bad guys, the guys who are interested in implementing soft authoritarianism, all they have to do is win once.
0: This was the phrase I was going to use. You took the words out of my mouth was the, the unthinkable becomes thinkable. And I, and I think there's been a failure of imagination. I think there's a failure of imagination on the part of some of the people saying, you know, everything's fine. Everything's OK. The institutions have been amazingly resilient. I mean, you hope that they're right about this. But we are now thinking about things that really were completely unthinkable. You, so, for example, Ted Cruz tweets out that he is calling on the Supreme Court to grant expedited review to one of these lunatic challenges. In Pennsylvania. This lunatic challenge in Pennsylvania, I think it's by a Republican congressman, would disenfranchise seven million voters. It would throw out the results of Pennsylvania's presidential election, which was not that close. And it would order the Republican legislature to name the electors. Okay, this is the kind of thing that it it takes your breath away because first of all, you're thinking that can't possibly happen. No one would think that's a good idea. Wait, they're actually doing it. And a senior United States senator, Republican, who may be running for president, is in fact endorsing that. I mean, th- this is how far we've moved it. So, I, and I mentioned on the podcast last night, somebody was asking me about, you know, tw- you know, the 20-year anniversary of, of Bush v. Gore, where everything was closed. And that seems like a kinder, gentler era right now. But can you can certainly imagine what uh what these folks are capable of if this was one state and if the election was close this was a near run thing very you know a couple people here a couple people there changed their minds and we're looking at things that we just never even imagined were possible
1: yeah and we're we were lucky in 2000 that we didn't have a sitting president on the ballot because that changes everything right i mean i understand like, that the gore was the vice president of the democrats had control but it, it is different than having the commander in chief be the one Who is there, and you wind up in uniquely dangerous situations when when that's the case.
0: Well, sitting Uh, president who's also a lunatic.
1: Who's also a lunatic, right. And, uh, you know, the the thing which is, again, quaint when you think back about it is that in Bush v. Gore, there was all sorts of drama about what will the courts decide. There was no drama about, well, who will take power after the courts decide. And that is no longer the case there's yeah, no longer this but- if we were if we were in a position where it was 300 votes in one state who had gone against Trump and it went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided 5-4 against Trump i say it is it is no more than a 50-50 chance that uh, that Joe Biden would have been eventually inaugurated as president
0: Mona, Chern made this point last night, uh, and, and I completely agree with it. At the time, I didn't fully appreciate the, the importance of what Al Gore did the, when, he, when he graciously conceded, gave this very, very eloquent speech. Um, we, we were all caught up in, in the tribal you know, hyper-partisanship, and I certainly confessed to that at the time. But that was a remarkable moment of patriotism, quite frankly, for him to step aside, because that's just not conceivable now. At least, it's not conceivable from uh, Donald Trump that Donald Trump would would just basically say, "Hey, you know, the country is more important. Um, it is absolutely crucial that we uh, have the peaceful transfer of power." I mean, that this was so basic that we took it for granted. I don't think we do. Okay, so I need to get to the vampire thing um, here with with, with David. From da- David, made the case when we we're talking about down in Georgia, where Linwood and Sidney Powell and various other, you know, folks are, are saying don't vote because these dominion voting machines are still in place and they're still run by Hugo Chavez or whatever it is. Now, this of course is completely not true. And there is a paper trail. It doesn't matter. They believe this or they, they want people to, to believe it. You know, this is what the president is saying. This is how Georgia was stolen from Donald Trump. And they're saying that, that, if this is stolen from you know donald trump in this way why would you participate in the same system why would you trust the same technology And by the way there's a certain you know inherent logic there david's point was that there's going to be a double consciousness by republicans in um in in georgia that they will say these things they will say that it was rigged and stolen but then they will go and they will act you know, in their interest, they will still go out and vote. So they will, on the one hand, continue to say the crazy things, but they will go and vote anyway. And the analogy he used was: you go to a vampire movie, and you, you know, watch about the vampires. And you're all scared, and you're like, you know, have a willing suspension of disbelief. And but then you walk out of the theater, and you realize hey, there are no vampires. I'm not actually going to be afraid of vampires. I'm not going to change anything that I do in my life. In my take, and you, you know this, Jude Jv. Also, I'm good. But my take on this was don't underestimate the number of people out there who are now believing in the vampires and, and in and, and my life over the last four or five years has been watching this slow spread of people. Well, Charlie, I read on facebook.com this story about this coven of vampires out there and this rolling crazification on the right where people believe all kinds of bizarre, weird things. So I wasn't as confident um, that people could engage in that double consciousness as David was.
1: Yeah, I I'm more with you than I than I am with David on this. And you watch, I mean, there is a certain aspect of conservative talk radio which was always uh, entertainment, right? You were there yeah. for because you you just like got a got jazzed by beating up on the bad Democrats, you know, because they were the bad guys. And it's the same as listening to sports talk radio where, you know, in Philly, you could, you could spend hours on Philly sports talk radio, just talking about how terrible the Yankees were. Right. Everybody loved it because yeah. the Yankees suck. And, you know, Philly's rock. And, uh, but that has, that has changed. And I think it probably started changing right around the time of the 2000 election. And that, Followed by 9/11, followed by the creation of the internet, followed by the basically the ability for people to live in total information silos uh, created a world where it was no longer entertainment; it was lifestyle, and that's different, right? I mean, once one because once it's lifestyle, then it becomes part of your personal identity and who you are, and that's when you start really believing it.
0: So is, is that how people become crazy? And, and, and I apologize if, if people think that I've brought this up too often on the podcast, but, you know, I, I, I keep asking this question. So so Michael Flynn or Eric Metaxas, who's this Christian broadcaster who was on with Trump earlier this week and said, we will die for you because you are God's anointed. I, I don't, you know, and, and did you ask the question? So if Joe Biden is sworn in, will Joe Biden become God's anointed? Or yeah. Okay. Were these guys always crazy or or? has Trump broken their brain or is it this process of, of just, you know, transferring your identity into these crazy ideas? Because there's no question about it. There's this vast vortex that takes people who may have been, you know, little, you know, had some issues, but were otherwise kind of normal. And now you go, how the hell did you get from A to B? What, 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 what happened to you? And for the people listening, I mean, you, you probably have a a friend or an uncle who is like, well, I was reading Facebook and did my research and we the people have discovered that in fact vampires do run the the election system in Michigan.
1: Yeah, I this is this is a very persistent human question and it it you know, it it encompasses politics but it also does not encompass politics, right? I mean, we all know people in our lives who like have breakdowns, right? And mm-hmm. and go crazy. and i mean this in the not clinical sense maybe but the the certainly the uh the normal sense that we would we would get from this which is somebody who goes out and buys a crazy expensive sports car as part of the midlife crisis and then the next thing you know as like you know left his wife and kids and then moved to a yurt somewhere right i mean this is like we know this, and we're like, "Oh boy, did you see what happened to Bob?" You know, I can't mm-hmm. believe that Bob went nuts like that. And we see it in politics now with guys like Michael Flynn, who you know spent his entire career as a pretty high-level military guy, had lots of important responsibilities, and now calls for a coup and military tribunals. <laughs> and so you say to yourself, "Were these people always like yeah, that, right. and they were just passing?" You know, nobody didn't realize we, they weren't put in a position where we could realize how crazy they were or did something happen in them and trigger, you know, I, 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 this is a topic I talk about often in my newsletter. And one of the responses I have gotten from readers, because I always say to people, what do you think about this? Cause I'm interested. I don't, I don't have a firm answer is that age has something to do with it. And that also, uh, and this is just a, a brain chemistry thing, right? As you get older, you know, you look at Rudy Giuliani, I don't want to beat up on the guy. Um go ahead. Rudy Giuliani clearly has some medical problems. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and I don't I don't say this to be to be cruel, but he is not he is not all there. Now, he may have been crazy back when he was 50 years old too. Uh, but but whatever is happening right now, he he just isn't fully together. And it's a little bit cruel to keep rolling him out like this.
0: Yeah, he's um, he's one of the classics if you ever read a book on dying too late.
1: It would yeah, be him
0: because, yeah. you know, he, he, he passes away shortly after 2001, every, every town in America would have a school named after him. The yeah. Parks They'd named after him. probably Airport for him or something, right? He, he, exactly. We'd be flying into Giuliani Airport. Yeah. And now it's like, the speculation is, will he get pardoned? Is he going to be indicted? Is he going to end up in the loony bin? Yeah. Is he going, is he, the, I mean, the man is, and I'm sorry, and I, because we're, we're having this high level conversation. The man is is, is 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 not only becomes so. He goes to that Michigan hearing, and he's and he and he's farting in public.
1: <laughs>
0: he's sitting next right. to drunk women who are who are making. The dye running down his
1: his I face. Know it, just it's stop. really now part of this, honestly. I mean, if we we could be serious about this, part of this is substance abuse. I'm not talking about Rudy in specific, right? But but one of the things that is a common marker in people that we meet in life who suddenly go crazy, a lot of times that craziness is really just that they've started drinking too much or they've started on pills or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It seems like it happens at a higher rate than I would have expected, you know, I, but maybe that's just because we live in the sort of, you know, our rarefied air, you know, if you really ever want to understand what the world really looks like in the aggregate, like you have to go to the DMV or go to the emergency room. Right. But those are the two places where you actually see, you know, in in my previous life where I wanted to be a doctor, I spent a lot of time in hospitals um, and working in ERs and stuff. And the nurses would always tell me, yeah, 10% of the country is insane. I'd be like, really, one in ten? That seems Mm. high. And they were like, no, no, just just hang out with us. And I came away from that time believing, yeah, maybe one in ten is about right. You know, because you just see the the broad cross section of humanity, and maybe maybe that's what it is. But it's awfully disconcerting. The thing that I found the most disorienting of over the last five years. a lot of the people who went crazy are people who I always basically thought were nuts anyway, like the Joe DeGenevas and Vicky Tonesings of the mm-hmm. world. Um, they didn't come across my radar until like 2000. And when i f- the first time I met Vicki Tonesing, I was like, this woman is batshit insane. You know, I don't know why all of the people from her cohort in conservatism, Inc., make nice with her and pretend that she's a serious person, but she's clearly not. Um, but there have been people like, you know, the Dennis Prager's of the world and the Bill Bennett's of the world. Who, when you look at the who you would not have expected, yeah, this from, and I find that disorienting. uh, I
0: find that very disorienting, and I've talked about. I mean, I have all the Bill Bennett books. You know, the Book of Virtue sitting right here. America, Last Best Hope. You know, the Book of Man. And that's a that's a different kind of crazy. Well, you know, I the, the, the this is why,
1: the, this the, why yeah. many organizations have forced retirement. I think yeah. honestly, right? You know, yeah. when in the Catholic Church, the you have to submit your letter of resignation. I think it's at age seventy, and the Pope will just hold on to it. But just as a matter of course, you know, because people get funny as they get older, maybe that,
0: but I also know young people who are who are kind of crazy. I was looking up the story about the new york well, let me see if I can find this one because the the new york where where is this because the the New York young young Republicans held an event and they had this uh, uh, you know no no masks, uh no social distancing whatsoever and and the and the story says that they had originally invited Sarah Palin. <laughs> to be their keynote speaker but she bailed out on them so they got matt gates to come up and it's like this is like it's like the alignment of all of the kooky planets and these are That's, young people. It's the Charlie Kirk world, and one part of it is the, they're they're grifters, and they're they're like you know you know it's all for the lulls and everything. But this politics of paranoia has been around for a long time, and and there is an attraction to the conspiracy theories and the extremists, the the secret knowledge that the world becomes understandable, that you are an insider, that that you have you know some some grounding for your identity and for your resentments and the people that you hate. Um, but it's it's gotten it, it it is it has gotten out of hand, so we're not going to solve this one. But okay, so I'm going to talk to you about Gabe's uh, is it Gabe Sterling?
1: Yeah, Gabriel yeah.
0: Sterling, my favorite. Yeah, you you talked about this on on uh, the, the the next level podcast, and and and. Uh, I think I have a different take than yours, but I but I under I understand it. Okay, so he's the guy works in the secretary of state's office in Georgia, comes out and makes this passionate plea for everybody to dial down the rhetoric. Mr. President, you have to stop it. Somebody is going to die. This is wrong. There is nothing wrong with the election. And the initial reaction, I think, for most people was. This guy is brave. This guy is speaking out. This is an important message. He's one of America's heroes who's protecting us from going down. And then you came out and you said, no, you're, you're not buying these. You're, you're dumping on Gabe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, uh, and I was proven, I think basically 100% correct in this. So he, uh, It's understand that I I want people to understand who anybody who didn't watch his remarks, he Mm. didn't just say we got to dial it back down. He said that it was dangerous, that what the president and Republicans like him were doing was attacking, quote, the backbone of our democracy, that it was, quote, Mm un-American and that it was going to get people killed. So this is pretty serious stuff, right? I mean, he's 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 alleging and. uh And at the time, I thought to myself, you know, I'm sorry. Like, this guy is clearly Mr. Republican from Georgia. He's a Republican operative in the state. He's been around that for a long time. Uh, And these are just words unless there's any follow through. And sure enough, that very evening, he goes on PBS and Judy Woodruff is interviewing him. And uh, he says to her that, you know, well, of course, he's going to vote for Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I believe it was two nights ago. He was being interviewed on the BBC World Service, and the the presenter asked him, you know, and, and who did, did you vote for, Donald Trump? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I voted for Donald Trump, but I, I'm just a Republican. I've been a Republican since I was 15, and I'm 50 years old mm-hmm. now, so of course I vote for the Republicans. I think to myself, you know what? I'm sorry if you if you say these sorts of words in order to salve your conscience but you are not willing to take any actions, then your words are empty. They mean nothing. And in fact, they're worse than nothing. Because what you're doing is you're creating an alibi for other people who might be willing to hop off the train here. Because if you truly believe that these these actions are un-American, that they attack the literal backbone of our democracy, and that they are going to result in death, and yet, you're still going to vote for these guys? How does that happen?
0: Yeah, because he acknowledges the role that the senators are playing. I mean, you know, Kelly Leftler's gotten into bed with QAnon. You know, she and Purdue have called for his boss, Raffensperger, to be fired. Right to 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 resign. They are engaging in exactly the kind of behavior that he is saying is this existential threat to democracy and may cause people to die. And then he says, "But I'm going to vote f- for them." That is a deep breath moment because there's 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 a, there's a logic burp there, right? It's like, "Are you serious, really?" Um, but l- let me offer a, just a slight defense for him, okay? Because obviously you, you're right. I mean, it's like you, you 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 this is how we got to where we are. You say these things are terrible, they're awful, they must stop. But I'm still going to support you. The, I'm, I'm going to still make sure that there are no consequences for your behavior. This is this is the story of the Republican party over the last four or five years. I wonder whether or not though, the there's a delayed reaction for guys like this, that he has been part of this tribe for so long and he's broken, but he can't break all of the ties. And I hesitate to say this because people are going to swear at the, they're going to scream at the podcast about what I'm going to say. Okay. But I, but I just, I got to do this. 2016, I'm all in anti-Trump, never Trump, you know, willing to give up my radio show. I mean, I went at it every single day for a year and a half. Um, You know, every time I opened my mouth, I would get a hundred emails. You know, the phones would light up, people telling me. And I pushed back and I pushed back. And I recognized that Donald Trump was this, this massive, mad catastrophe hitting for the country and said so over and over and over again. But in 2016, I also voted for Ron Johnson. It took me a while to realize that, you know, honestly, if this is a national crisis, all of the people contributing to it are part of it. That's hard for that was hard to break all those ties. So I'm willing to look at this guy going, maybe just give him a little time, you know, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe he's going to be Mark Levin. Remember, there was a moment back in 2016 where Mark Levin broke with Donald Trump. Donald, Donald Trump said something negative about him. And it was like, that's it. I'm out of here. You know, when when he insulted or lied about other people, it was OK. Mark Levin, you know, but when he went with him. But it didn't last. He came back. A lot of these people are going to come back. But I just wonder whether or not the there's a certain muscle memory with people that you got to give them a little bit of space to do the right thing. Before you say you got to go the whole way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I guess. I mean,
1: I, I'm not even saying that he has to go the whole way. I mean, I, I think it would be a perfectly reasonable thing for him to say, uh, you know what? I'm a Republican. I've been a Republican all my life. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to vote for Loeffler and Purdue. I'm not going to vote for the Democrat either. You know, I, really, I would be, I'm not even forcing people into the binary choice thing. I mean, I would be happy for this guy to say, like, I'm going to sit home or I'm going to write in Edmund Burke, you know, like Margaret Noonan or something. That would be enough. Mm-hmm. It, the weirdness of, I mean, Ron John in 2016 was not actively pushing Trump,
0: right? I mean, Ron John no, was, was one of and- the holdouts, right? And and I he was one of those people who had not yet gone crazy. That's the weirdness of yeah.
1: this guy singling out Loffler and Purdue yeah. in his little emotional uh you know performance singling them out and and trying to hold them to account and saying this has to stop what you're doing is unamerican and is going to result in the death of
0: people Your But you have my vote is in real place yeah th- that 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 <laughs> that wasn't no, th- this is a this is a problem there's no question about it to say what you are doing right now while you are seeking a 6 year term in the senate you know is damaging and dangerous but hey I'm going to give it to you even after I've just said that you're destroying the country. So that, no, and no, I, I, that was, that's not what, that was not my position in, 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 2016. I'm just, you know, part of me is just like, we, we are, this is such a close run thing. It is so near run that you just need these guys who are willing to do the right thing. So I'll go back to criticizing Doug Ducey in Arizona, but God, when i you know, God bless him for, uh, signing that certification and hanging up, up on Donald Trump when he called him. I love that story, by the way, that while he's signing the certification, his phone goes off and it's hail to the chief, which is his ringtone for the White House. And he just takes that out of his pocket and turns it off and puts it down. <laughs> Kelly Ward is going to 100% primary him. right? Absolutely. So, you know, B- Brian Kemp, the, the governor of Georgia is a horse's ass, but he did the right thing, you know, here in Wisconsin the wisconsin did you see did you see his
1: oh you did it you did see his thing you're the one who tweeted this out the other day the brian kemp thank you sir my, i have another remark oh oh god can no, you share that with with people listening in case they didn't see
0: yeah he, well, yeah what did he say he in fact that was just yesterday it wasn't me somebody else did it um yeah he's now sucking sucking up to Donald Trump. It's like so Trump you know.
1: is beating on on Kemp and talking about how awful Kemp is and how supporting him was a mistake, maybe the biggest mistake he ever made. And Kemp's response to this is, ah, oh, the president's a fighter. that's what we love about him. and you know he and I have gone head to head sometimes, but I nobody has supported this guy the way I'd and yes. you just look at it you think to myself are, are you kidding? do you do you think that your voters are gonna gonna, be okay with that because i don't
0: you, you, can't, you can't be craven enough by the way speaking of you you cannot be you know you cannot be enough of a suck up i don't know whether you had it on your bingo card but trump versus bill Barr. i i mean i th- i think it's 50 50 that he fires bill Barr, the the loyal roy cohn like attorney general Please this, god this, yes but
1: please yes do it i want it that feels so like a
0: bad tester, doesn't it that's what i want for
1: christmas I want Bill Barr to be fired, yeah, and I want Kimberly Guilfoyle
0: or Judge Jeanine. No, Judge Janine As oh, our on. next go attorney go general. Go acting. Right. Our Judge acting Jeanine. attorney general. Or Joe DeGeneva. You know, I mean, some, somebody like that. Or oh. Rudy himself. Just name Rudy. Put him in there. Just do it. It would be the best. It would be the best. So what do you think is going on with Bill Barr? Did he just reach the point where he says, I just, my conscience won't allow me to do this? Or... Did the did the institutional structure of the DOJ basically say, uh, Mr. Barr, we're just going to blow this place up if you keep acting like this? I think there just
1: isn't anything for him to to give. I mean, this is the problem. The problem was what we have was probably on the scale of American elections, uh, one of the least irregular elections ever, like things, things went Pretty well. I mean, you know, people say no elections are perfect, right? This is, in fact, there's always fraud. There're always satchels of you know, satchels of votes that get lost and things like that. Just happens, but it happens in both directions. And over the course of 150 million votes or 130 million votes, uh, everything sort of equals out. This seems to have been a pretty normal election, probably more normal than almost all other elections in terms of how it was carried out and counted. And so. Barr had nothing in the same way like the Durham report. The problem here is that reality is there. And it is one thing when you mm. live in the world of media. But when you live in the world of the law, there there is a problem with denying reality. And we've even seen this from the president's legal team, right? I mean, they can say one thing on Newsmax. But then when they yeah. when they go into court, they can't say that thing because there's liability for it. And I think that's that's what Barr ran up against. I have no doubt that Bill Barr I mean, would have done everything he could to help Donald yeah. Trump.
0: I think you're giving him too much credit, but but maybe maybe you're right. And by the way, this this uh, the the difference between what they're willing to say on social media and in these these fake hearings and what they're willing to say in a court of law is pretty dramatic. I don't know that there's any way that you can deprogram the people who believe that this election was stolen. But but one talking point that I will definitely try is that. If there was so much fraud, why in did they, were they not able to prove a single case of fraud in any courtroom anywhere in America? Having filed dozens of cases, but, but there's always an answer to all of that. So, but the 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 bar thing is interesting because it would be the another indication that that the loyalty only goes one way. That uh, that that you can suck up, you can lie for the president, you can cover for the president, you can do outrageous things to protect the president. But if you cross him on one thing, you know, they asked uh, about, uh, do you still have confidence in him and basically kind of threw him under the bus yesterday. But that moment uh, yesterday where the white house liaison, the basically Donald Trump's eyes and ears in the justice department was thrown out of the building, thrown out of the department of justice because he was asking for sensitive election material. They threw him out now, they couldn't have done that without bars, you know, heads, head, you know, green lighting all of that. And that struck me as that's shots fired, man. I mean, this is the, I don't know that he makes Christmas. So
1: so so Heidi stirrup was was the her name. I wonder whether or not Barr did sign off on that. Mm. Honestly, I well, so this is a real out. question. I don't know yeah. enough about the internal workings of DOJ to know whether that goes up some separate chain. Within career or or whether that becomes the uh, the AG's decision. I don't know. Um, boy, it's it's fascinating though, right? It shows you just how bad things are. But I I will say this about Bill Barr. I'm certain he has no illusions about Trump's loyalties because it isn't even the Trump, you know, people who cross him. It's the people who, you know, he asks to do something that's impossible. And when they don't, you know, like with Jeff Sessions, right? Jeff Sessions never crossed him. Jeff Sessions just had to recuse himself because yeah, that's what it. the law dictated. And Trump was like, wah, right? And then he, you know, <laughs> then he destroyed Jeff Sessions, his life. No, and, the fall uh, of same, Jeff sessions.
0: Yes. The, the same, the same probably Trump. from Barr, right? Yeah. So, you know, what we haven't talked about today, and I uh, I always feel guilty about all of this is what's happening with the coronavirus. You were on this early in terms of the, the, the trend on this it it is worth remembering that that in april if somebody would have said you may be looking at 300 400 thousand deaths by next spring people would have thought you're out of your mind you know the the, the president said it was just going to disappear magically give me your sense of of where we're at right now i mean there are, there are the optimists who are saying look the Uh, The vaccine is coming. It's going to be, you know, uh, widely available by first quarter, at least by, you know, mid-year 2021. It's going to be happy days are are here again. And yet we are right now, the day we are talking, you know, uh, as many Americans are dying of the coronavirus has died on 9-11 every single freaking day. They're talking about 19,000 Americans dying the week of Christmas alone it is horrific. Half the country has completely given up on all of this. So give me your sense of where we're going, because it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, if it ever gets better. Which yeah. It will we'll get better at some
1: point. Well, it'll get better at some point. I mean, so we are headed towards a period of almost unimaginable tragedy, Uh mm-hmm and the math on this is just the math. There's no way around it. Through therapeutics and figuring out how to treat better people better, uh, we've gotten the case fatality rate down to about 1.6, but it's been flatlined at 1.6 now for several months, and we have not made a a deeper dent in that. If you take that 1.6 and plot it out against the number of recent recent diagnoses and new cases, we're going to see in the next four weeks, probably 50 to 55,000 deaths. Uh, mm. This is my back of the envelope math. I mean, I, I may be off a few thousand one way or the other, but that's the order of magnitude. And I, I just can't emphasize enough to people that the moment when you can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel is actually the moment to... To put your foot on the gas in terms of all the all the prevention stuff you've been doing, not the other way around. Uh, you you do not want to be the last person to die in a pandemic, right? And yeah, uh, you know, protect especially for the holidays. Protect the the people who are older. And when you look at the the you look at the numbers again, that one point six case fatality rate is. Is, is misleading in a sense because it's radically different from if, if you're 30 or if you're 50. And people who are 50 to 65, which is not old, I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I don't think of 50 to 65 as being old really anymore. Uh, their Their fatality rate is quite high. It's, uh, I want to say, 6 or 8%. I don't have numbers mm. in front of me right now. Uh, and then you get over 70 and it becomes much higher. So just, I mean, this is the time to be careful. What I... What depresses me a lot is that I th- I think there's a good chance that the vaccine is going to become the mask wars part two. Yeah, I know. I think so too. And I,
0: I think it's almost inevitable.
1: It breaks my heart. I, you know, there's fights on Twitter erupting already over the idea of immunity passports and you know, vaccination passports and cards and stuff like that. I, this is a I actually have a great deal of sympathy for that. Um, I, I do not like the idea of people being required to carry around a card saying, look at me, I've had my vaccination because that does, con- like I'm sorry, it conjures up like images of, uh, you know, you got to wear your yellow star on your, on your mm. uh, sleeve or something. But at the same time, um, we do want to reopen the economy, right? I mean, everybody has always been like, open up the economy, let people get back to normal. Like there are, we're going to have to make some weird compromises and some uncomfortable compromises in both directions over the course of the next nine months or so as we get out into full vaccinations. And I, I just wish that everybody could take a deep breath and try to work with each other on this. And because yeah. you know, like this is, <laughs> imagine we we get this this uh, incredibly impressive array of vaccines through development and approval. And then it turns out that just culture war stuff ruins it. How well, depressing really is that?
0: Possible. And you know why that that's that's uh, more likely to happen than not? I mean, I certainly didn't see the, the mask culture wars coming because we didn't even talk about it, but there has been an anti-vaxxer movement in this country. It's been a real problem for a long time and we know where it gets fed from. And, you know, whether or not, it, this is what made it so reckless that uh, Kelly or whatever McEnany, was, you know, referring to the vaccine as the Trump vaccine. Yeah, go, go out of your way to politicize this. Uh, you know, see what you can do to tribalize this. And of course, uh, once he leaves office and it becomes the quote unquote Biden vaccine, you you know that it's going to be played that way, and it will be. It will compound the tragedy. But the other point you made is you don't want to be the last person that dies before it goes away. And unfortunately, human psychology being as twisted as it is, it, it almost feels like the the news about the vaccine has caused people to say, OK, so now we don't need to worry about it, even though the numbers are telling you this is the most dangerous time right now. And the vaccine is not going to do anything for you until you are vaccinated. And yet somehow some people seem to seem to think that this is the green light to go out and behave, you know. You know, unrestrained, which is, of course, completely irrational. But here we are.
1: And I, I want to say a word about about Trump here, because any other person who has ever been either a president or a major party nominee, so any any of them in the position of having become an ex president in a, a situation like this, what they would do is they would be out there holding hands with Joe Biden not yeah. only right now but into January and through March and trying to get all of their people vaccinated and trying to eliminate any sort of lingering culture war over this that is the the any obvious other. thing to do and mm-hmm. i would bet you anything trump goes the opposite way
0: yeah I I, I I think that's safe a, a safe bet
1: and it's really my God it's just depressing right I mean why why is this hard this isn't this is not the kind of thing that would have even been thinkable before four years ago right I mean you know George George HW Bush loses Bill Clinton takes office and if there is a public health emergency that Bill Clinton needs help getting Republicans on board with uh he calls George HW Bush and George
0: HW Bush says great
1: I'm there Right. I mean, this is just the way the way the world works.
0: Well, back so, in the old times, though, um president showed up at the inauguration of their successor, right? In the old times. N- can you, now, so here's a question. Do, do you really think he won't show up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No chance. Zero chance. What is that going to do to this country? Well, I mean,
1: I think we, we, we I think we're, we're being far too it.
0: cavalier with how, like, well,
1: it's just a ceremony, nope. and you know, well, it's no big deal. It's just a, you know, of course he won't. He's Trump, right? Everybody just the way in which this is waved around. Well, what do you expect? It's just Trump.
0: Uh, no, I, 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 I agree with you, and this is why I, I, I really do think that this, this next sixty days that was the most dangerous period for him because there, there are no norms he won't shatter. There's no standard of decency that he won't shred. And we think that all the damage has been done. I mean, this is where I so fundamentally disagree with Ben Shapiro when he justified voting for Trump again, saying, well, okay, we've already seen the bad stuff. You know, the the bad stuff has already been been baked in. No, we haven't. And this is another one of those things where it now begins to seem seems to think, well, of course, Trump's not going to do it. But this is one of the to the extent that we have sacred moments in the American you know, mythology or the mythology, not the word I want to use, the 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 civic religion of America. It is the inauguration of the president. It is the peaceful transfer of power. It is the two parties agreeing that it is going to do this. And he's he's not only not going to show up, I think there's a very good chance that he's going to stage a counter inauguration where he announces he's running in 2024 and then daring Republicans, which one you're going to show up at? Mike Pence, are you going to show up? Are you going to be a cuck? Are you going to show up at the Capitol? Or are you going to be here with us MAGA folks?
1: <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and you know what the Republicans will do. All the they will, anybody who is responsible, they will simply not go to either, right? That yeah. will be the responsible thing that Dan Crenshaw and company will do.
0: They will be in quarantine.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm quarantined. I, uh, you know, I the other thing that's happening over the next sixty days, though, Charlie, is not just Trump's actions, but it is the congealing of opinion among Republican voters, and that's the the thing, honestly, which I worry about more than actions that Trump takes, is the hardening of opinion of Republicans because that's the danger. If you have forty five or fifty percent of Republican voters, and I think that's a very conservative estimate, who literally believe that Donald Trump won the election by millions of votes and that Joe Biden is literally illegitimate, right? Not right. like, oh, right. I don't like him and, you know, or, but, but that he stole the election. It is going to become impossible to govern this country.
0: Well, here's the bad news. I think the percentage of Republicans who will believe that will be substantially higher than that. Yeah, I do too. Um And I do think that it is, this is where I keep coming back to the analogy of the, of the ocean liner that's taken a torpedo under the water line. Uh, Yeah, you know, at least on the surface, we're moving along and we have the transfer of power. But if you have half the country that no longer believes in the democratic process, then, then something fundamental has shifted and it may be permanent. And this, of course, was, and I'm sorry to go back to the, we told you so, this is what the never Trumpers were arguing from the beginning that you cannot make a deal with someone like this. You cannot surrender every principle, every shred of decency, just because you might get the tax rate you want, just because you might get a federal judge. Um, and yet, uh, and David Frum makes this this point, when you try to talk somebody out of, you know, somebody has been conned and you try to tell them they've been conned, the most likely result is they're going to hate you for calling them out. As opposed to making them grateful you know, them, then, then the, the being grateful that somehow you've pointed out the the, mis- the mistake. So yes, we keep going. We have not hit bottom yet, and I don't think we're going to know the damage for a very long time. I mean, honestly, I think that the 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 fallout from this, the hangover from this, has to be measured in decades, and not 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 just in the, in the last four years. I, I think I think it's going to have a we're going to have, uh, precedents that are, that we're going to be talking about in 2030, 2040. Well, you will be talking about in 2040. I'm going to be, I'm going to be living in Costa Rica by then, you know, sitting on, (laughs) sitting on the beach, but okay. So on that dark, on that dark note, um, hopefully we do get this vaccine. Hopefully the economy recovers. Hopefully Joe Biden, um, is able to ride that to have, you know, some sort of a restoration of normalcy. Um, David made a point last night. He said that the best thing that could actually happen to Joe Biden is the Trump 2024 campaign, because it means that his weird coalition stays intact. The, the weird, you know, coalition that ranges from you know, Angela Davis to Bill Crystal stays intact. And there'll be that focus. I'm not sure he's wrong about that. It's terrible for the Republican Party. I think it might be terrible going forward for a lot of those folks, but at least for, for Joe Biden, it will keep the focus on, you know, at least, you know, on, on, on the least palatable alternative. As a political matter, that
1: is possibly correct. But on the other hand, what is good for Joe Biden is not necessarily good for America and having a chance of Donald Trump winning another election. Oh my God. Is, is bad for America. And so, uh, this is one of the situations where I, I, basically agree analytically that yeah, Joe no. Biden's chances for reelection are best running against, uh, Donald Trump, but that the, the possibility of a Trump victory, makes it absolutely not worth it for everybody no no no, no, look that that doesn't matter to us anyway I mean he's he's gonna if he runs then he is going to be the nominee
0: I I just I I think it's more likely I would say I would gonna run money (sighs) well because again when I first raised this and people scoffed as I said okay well then tell me who's gonna run against him and beat him yeah give me a name you have to come up with a name no, the, um, I, and I agree with you. I think the most likely scenario
1: is he says he's going to run. He teases the run for three years. And then at the last minute, he tries to install John Jr. because he doesn't yeah. want to do it himself. Uh, but at that point, again, I just don't know who would be willing to go against him, right? Who's going to, who's going to be the first person to try to take a shot at the throne? And, you know, Nikki Haley, people who think that, People who think that Republican voters, having had pure uncut MAGA for, for what will be eight years, uh, are going to then suddenly take nice Talbot's lady, Nikki Haley, as they—absolutely not. You Don Jr. could, in theory, be attacked from the right as being somebody who who isn't willing to go far enough and can't go hard enough to really bring about his father's legacy— uh, And so you could see some famous person who is exceptionally good at talking to people uh, coming and going over the top with more MAGA than, than Don Jr. is in theory. But the idea that Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley could swoop in at the last minute to take the nomination is I, yeah, I think it's absolute fantasy.
0: Zero the, the other thing and this this will the, getting in touch with my more cynical side it is interesting watching a lot of the anti-anti Trump folks who had been you know spent the time running cover for Trump over the last 6 months now being completely horrified by his behavior in the election but you know I, my prediction they're all going home. If yeah. it, if it's Trump 24 they will find their way Back onto the train, and you know who I'm talking about, right? The guy.
1: 2024 who- will be the most important uh, election
0: of our lifetimes, yeah, and if yeah. if we don't stop Joe Biden this time,
1: or you know, don't stop Kamala Harris mm-hmm. this time, well, then our country will be over, and this will have socialism, right? I mean, this is it's evergreen, yeah,
0: yeah. right? Well, you have a you have a great weekend, JVL, and I really appreciate. Yeah, you too. The- I'm super happy. This is great, Charlie. Thanks. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little brighter. Well, well, at least I'm thinking I have
1: like, two days off. You know? <laughs> you yeah, can, I'm going to go brew myself up a nice cup of hemlock while I finish editing this Tim Miller piece I'm working on. It's going uh, to be great. And, and then I'll make a list of all
0: the places that I can't go for the next six months. <laughs> you know, I actually had this fantasy after the election that I was going to, you know, pile the wife and the dogs. We were going to rent an RV and we were just going to head west. You know, Ooh. I just had this, I just had this fantasy that we would go and, you know, we wouldn't have a schedule and we were just like, okay, we're going to head toward the Dakotas. Maybe we'll head South and we'll go, you know, down there. We'll go down to, you know, Arizona and then maybe up the, up the West coast. This was fantasy of getting away. And instead I'm going out and play with ball in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back on Monday, and we will do this all over again.